and welcome. This is Talk the Plank, episode 25, a Pittsburgh Pirates podcast on SB Nation's Bucks Dugout. I'm Nathan Hirsch, joined here right now, as always, with Jake Slobodnik. Jake, what's going on? Not that much, man. Just uh, enjoying the remainder of the Sunday Father's Day extravaganza that really not, not much going on, but I uh, just had a great day. Um, I was in attendance for today's ball uh, Pirates game. Not the result we wanted, but my God, it was a fast game. It was a great game from the players. Um, it, it was honestly just an all-around good day. How was your Father's Day? Pretty good. Um, went home, spent some time with the family, grilled out, had some burgers, had some grilled chicken. It's delicious. Um, yeah, happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. And uh, just a just a pretty nice day. For the Pirates, though, yeah, they'd lost today 2-1. to one, Took two out of three in the series, which after te- losing ten straight, I mean, you'll take two out of three every time of the week. But uh, they're now 25-45. and 45, And another surprisingly – well, surprising is the wrong word. Another questionable uh, – Yank via Derek Shelton taking the pitcher out a little early in this game. It was JT Brubaker who was absolutely rolling. Six and two-thirds innings. He was in the 70s when it came to pitches. And um, with a man on second base, Derek Shelton decided that the left-on-left matchup was better than uh, Brubaker trying to finish out the inning so he removed Brubaker for Chase and Shreve who gave up a ground ball to uh, Josh Naylor I believe snuck through the hole and the Indians took a two to one lead and uh, that's all they needed that was the score of the game so Jake have at it <laughs> well it's not going to be as much of a complaining session as uh, in recent games I will say it was nice that we took two out of three would have liked to get the sweep but overall um I thought we fought hard. Honestly, I really think we did. Um, the whole JT Brubaker scenario is it's it's highly suspect, and um, it feels like each week we are introduced to a new reason why Derek Shelton won't be with the Pirates for many years to come, if not maybe the rest of the year. Um, you know, being at the stadium itself, boos reigned throughout the entirety of the stadium. The only cheers came from the Indians fans that were there and boy, they represented, they represented their team well today, but um, back to the whole Brubaker thing, 70 something pitches, uh, 76, I believe 59 of them were strikes through seven, you know, in the sixth or seventh inning, excuse me, there was no reason to pull Brubaker. Listen, I understand. I love the lefty matchup, um, especially with Chase and Shreve, who's done well this season. I've been a Chase and Shreve believer since we've signed him. I, I think he's a good relief pitcher, but the thing that I have an issue with here is, um, you know, Derek Shelton prides himself on giving the young guys reps, giving them in-game experience into the pretty much, uh, you know, testing their strengths, see what they can do. And today, it, it, it seems to be like every week Derek Shelton has a new flavor of how what he wants to do to his pitchers. He's, it shows, again, that he has such a short leash with his pitchers. It's so sad because Brubaker, our basic, our basic ace of the rotation, you know, dealing nine strikeouts, 59 strikes thrown out of 76 pitches during the game. If you ask me, I would have left him in there to probably try and work out the jam. 
you know, whether he gives up that go-ahead hit or not, we at least are starting to see Shelton, you know, trust his pitchers a little bit more, especially his top guy in Brubaker. There was, you know, if it was like Chad Cole or Will Crow, give or take maybe, but still, you know, for a manager who wants his young pitchers to really do well and try to, you know, get some experience during this this downtime, if you will, for the Pirates, he really has an odd way of showing it, especially today, because if I was, you know, in... I don't care what was said in the post-game interview from Brubaker. You know, Derek Shelton once again comes into question. Brubaker threw a hell of a game. I have no qualms against him. I really don't. I don't have a qualm against Chase and Shreve today, even though he gave up the go-ahead hit. I, I really don't have a qualm with that. Um, Shelton said in his press in his post-game presser that, you know, he was asked about this whole thing, and one of the questions came up was, you know, addressing the boos from the crowd, and his response baffled me. It was, it's great to see the fans are back. <laughs> like, dude, uh, this goes back to what you and I talk about, Nate, and that's the accountability from Derek Shelton. He has none. You know, I'm not going to get all fiery like I have been in weeks because it's wash it, and it's rinse and repeat. You know, we can't really say that it's anything new other than yesterday's news. Um, but again, just a lack of a lack of accountability from Shelton. He said he wanted to play the matchup. Understandably so. I, I don't fault that because, you know, there's going to be half of the fans that say, yes, I would have played the matchup too. And the other half would have said, oh, I'm going to leave Brubaker in because he's doing great. So really there is no clear, concise answer. Um, I just think that would have been more suited, say, if Sam Howard was still on the team today. Uh, unfortunately, got put on the injured list beforehand. Um, if you ask me if you get that lefty-lefty matchup, Sam Howard's your number one guy to do that. But uh, still, though, with all things respected, I would have trusted Brubaker in there a little bit more, especially with how well he was doing. And it's it's just a shame because, once again, you know, I, I really thought about this thing in the stands. I was like, Brubaker is going to be – somewhat like the next Jacob deGrom. Maybe not the same stuff that he presents, but he's going to be a very effective pitcher. But good God, his offense and his manager are just not going to do – they're not going to back him up. I mean, the Pirates had five hits and one run through the majority of the game. In fact, I think that's what they finished with. And Brubaker, a hell of a game, couldn't get him the win for him. So now he's got a bad losing record, but his ERA continues to go down. And and it's his numbers show that he's an effective pitcher – but because of poor managerial uh, managerial choices and poor offensive play, he again goes down the gutter. It's a shame, honestly. It's a shame where the Pirates were today because they played hard. Brubaker pitched lights out. That I don't think anybody could disagree with that. But I think Shelton pulled the trigger on him too early. He's got to loosen that up a little bit. And you know we could be talking a whole different story if he would have left Brubaker in. That's my two cents on the whole situation. But. You know, Derek Shelton once again just showing that he is just incompetent as a as a man. Yeah, it was definitely a questionable decision, I would say. Um, I was thinking about this, and also, yeah, we could we could start calling JT Baker uh, Diet Jake Degrom. I'm fine with that. <laughs> um, but I was thinking about this. So whenever the decision, uh, it it doesn't go your way as a manager, so. Let's say, you know, what happened today, put in Shreve, it, Shreve gave up the hit, and the Pirates lose. What if he keeps um, 
Brubaker in, gives up the hit, and the Pirates lose. I was trying to think in my head, like, which scenario is more annoying to me. And you know what? I think it's putting Shreve in. And it's 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 kind of like getting a little too cute. Uh, you know you know how it is, though, with uh, basically I was listening to the post-game um, show on the fan today, and Craig Rye, I think that's his name, he was talking about how it's just a baseball problem. You know, it's just straight up, like, it's not really Shelton. It's just every manager is going to do this. But in my head, I think overall, when it fails, leaving the pitcher in is less is a little less annoying to me. On the other hand, leaving the pitcher in and it's um, say he gets the out, to me that's a little more that's better. That's a little more uh, satisfying, I guess, rather than if they brought Shreve in, Shreve gets the out, they get out of the inning. Both scenarios are obviously great, but as a sat as a fan watching. Brubaker, you know, get seven innings on his stat sheet would be really satisfying to me. And uh, so it's tough because also, I don't know, I feel like making the move in most circumstances works out. And usually the reliever gets the guy. That has not been the case at all with the the Pirates and Shelton bringing in relievers. But, yeah, I mean, overall, it's just – you score one run in a game, you're going to lose almost every time. So the offense just didn't really show up today, which was the problem. Overall in the series, though, I guess we can kind of move back a little bit. Um, Friday night's game, holy crap, what a game that was. Pirates win 11-10. to They were up 11-1 to at one point, and they tried their hardest to blow that. And then yesterday, yesterday was a well-played game, uh, 6-3, two three-run bombs. That's that's how offense should be played here. And uh, they were able to win 6-3, right? Is that what it was? I believe. Yesterday? Yeah, I believe so, 6-3. Yeah. So, yeah, two out of three. Um, <clears throat> you have any takeaways from those first two games that uh, you'd like to talk about? Yeah, I thought our offense was very lively the first two games, and it's so weird because we really picked a weird time to spark, especially after that 10-game losing skid. It, I can't tell whether our team, you know, really decided, hey, we've been on some, you know, we've fallen on some tough times lately. Let's go out today after a day off and really kick this series series off with a bang. Or maybe they're there. Are they just playing mind games with us saying we don't actually suck? And, you know, <laughs> it, it's, it's so coincidental. But, um, you know, Friday night, it was actually kind of funny. Um I, I saw the offensive showcase go about, and I'm, I, I was calling a high school all-star football game on the radio, and I was getting live in-game updates during it. And whenever I, whenever we took a break, I told my color analyst, you know, the score is 11 to 1 at that point, and he's like, wow, they might actually win tonight. I'm like, give it a little bit of time. It's only the fourth inning. Once our bullpen comes in, that's when things are going to go to shit. And what happened? That's kind of exactly what happened. I mean, it's so rough seeing Sam Howard get beaten like that because – I love Sam Howard. I love the dude, but just a rough game on Friday night for him. But other than that, we were really efficient. I thought our offense was great. Um, Key Brian Hayes, you know, only one hit, but it was worth it. He picked up three RBIs in the game. That was great. That was great to see. The bottom of the lineup really got things going with Stallings and Polanco. Um, And, you know, Polanco had himself a rough stretch. Saturday I liked a lot. Um, It was rough in the first few innings, but – 
Michael Perez, he is surprising me. Each and every day he finds a way to surprise the hell out of me because he is a catcher who is batting under 150 on the season. And somehow every time he comes in in the clutch, it seems like he is just lights out. I don't, I don't have an explanation for it. I don't know why he decides to do that every single time. But my God, he is quickly becoming one of the most underrated signings of the offseason. I know it's not been great, but it seems like every time we need him to deliver in the clutch, he's the guy could he's the guy to do it and then brian reynolds i mean we could write a book essentially about brian reynolds success lately i mean this guy has you know he could possibly be in the running for june player of the month if he continues this up because he's already got five um five home runs in the month i can't uh pull off every stat that he has but he's been uh, he's been uh, he's been shining a lot recently and um I, it's so nice to see that because knowing that he's part of our future is just amazing and seeing his production now and uh, both Friday and Saturday and Saturday, especially with that key insurance home run. Yeah, it was, it was absolutely amazing. So those are my takeaways. Reynolds stays hot. Um, we really came out of the gates firing. I thought it was a good all around series. If only you take away that bad inning from Sam Howard on Friday, I would consider this a near perfect series despite the loss today. Yeah, I agree. It was a really nice to uh it was nice to see the pirates actually score some runs. Reynolds here, I mean, you look at it, he has a real chance to be a 300 400 500 type guy and that is like that's 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 the upper echelon. It's kind of like in basketball if you're a 50 40 90 guy. Right. Uh, Reynolds has just been great. Um he's he should be an all-star. It's funny, the pirates have like three players that could be all-stars. If you think about it, Frazier, Reynolds, and maybe Rich Rod could be an all-star, ironically. And uh, they they have the worst team in the end. Well, one of the worst teams in the whole league. Not yeah. quite the worst yet. We're getting there. But, um, yeah, so Chad Cool was pretty nice on Friday. Six innings, only gave up one earned, I believe. Yeah, and he was aided by like four double plays, which was kind of funny, but 77 pitches, well, once again, pretty quick hook. Although for him, I understand because he's he's kind of ramping it back up. It just seems like every Pirates starting pitcher in that 75 to 80 range, it's, it's basically like that's it, which on one hand, I get it because pitcher injuries are just uh, crazy lately. And for the most part, the Pirates uh, starters – have been pretty healthy, but like you said, like sometimes it's just like, all right, like can we just can we let the guy go a little bit longer, please? But uh, cool, I mean, six innings. You'll you'll take six innings from Chad Cool every every day of the week, um, and I think it was a good decision to uh, get him out of there with a ten run lead. And yeah, Sam Howard, his ERA pretty much pretty much doubled in that one appearance. Six earned runs in. Uh, two-thirds of an inning, and then Kyle Crick struggled. His ERA pretty much doubled as well. He gave up two earned runs in two-thirds of an inning. And then we talked a little bit about it with uh, Rich Rod and should he pitch, should he not pitch. He got the save on Friday, but it got a little dicey at times. Two strikeouts, but he did give up two hits, and uh, Cleveland was definitely knocking on the door, but got the save. Got the scoreless inning, so that's that's what we like to see. And then Rich Rod yesterday, I mean, gave up a home run, I believe. 
Did he give up a home? Or just a run? Uh, he just gave up a run. I think it was a home run to Harold Reynolds, if I'm, or Harold Ramirez, if I'm not Harold mistaken. Ramirez, former pirate in the uh, famous Francisco Liriano sell deal when they traded him and and Ramirez and one other prospect. McGuire for McGuire. Andrew Hutchison. Yeah, exactly. The, yeah. One of the all-time... Uh, salary dump trades in recent Pirates history. He was a part of that. He's actually been kind of nice. But, yeah, back to the Pirates. I mean, Rich Rod gave up that home run, but he he looked pretty solid this series, which is good. Got to keep that trade value high. He's got to keep proving that he's going to be able to pitch without the aid of Sticky Goo. If or if not, he's using it. I'm not going to – not going <laughs> to – Don't want to take him uh, down for, you know – Defamation of character. This allegedly, right, of course, of course. <laughs> uh, Will Crow, four and two-thirds, not too bad, two two runs, still searching for that elusive first win like we've been talking about. Dude, I remember it's, it was like a month ago. It was that Colorado game where he was in line to get the win, and uh, Rich Rod actually blew the save in that one, and he didn't get the win. But uh, still searching. Shreve yesterday got an out. Uh, Stratton. Forgot he was on the team, to be honest. Two solid innings from him. And uh, David Betnar, not too shabby. So, bullpen looked pretty decent all series. Pitching was pretty decent all series, with the exception of Sam Howard. And, um, I mean, yeah, today, a great pitching performance by Brubaker. And, yeah, here we are. It was a pretty pretty nice series, I would say. I would give it a... uh, Eight out of ten as a Pirates fan. I mean, yeah, I'd give it an eight out of ten too. I think that's really earned. Um, um, <clears throat> it's weird because you know one of the things that I paid attention to this weekend uh, was our bullpen, and just because I've noticed recently that you know Will Crow, I there are times where I say that he is a bad pitcher, but then there are times where he just gets the shit out of the stick, and unfortunately, Saturday was one of them. You know, offense didn't really come alive until the bullpen game started. And I feel so bad because I, I want to start like a betting line of, you know, how how many starts can he have before he earns his first win? Will it be until next season? You know, it's just it's one of those unfortunate things because there are times where he shows signs of brilliance and greatness, but then his offense can't back him up. And then it's just and, and then there are days where he just sucks and it's so infuriating because you want these young guys to succeed who get the chance. And, you know, when he has that opportunity, he just can't seem to find that support to back him up. I don't know how to feel about it. I want him to get his first win here soon. I know it's that elusive first win that could really unlock a Pandora's box of greatness, if you will. But, oh, he, I just feel so bad for the guy. But going back to our bullpen, uh, Bednar has been lights out this weekend. Uh, that was one of my observations was that Bednar has been stellar. Um, Clay Holmes has been all right. Even though I'm a Cole, Clay Holmes hater, I have to give credit where credit's due. How about Chris? Did have a clean inning. What was that? I said he did have a clean inning. Yeah, he did today. Well, that's because he wasn't put in a pressurized situation. So. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but um, Chris Stratton, you said he, you didn't remember him being on the team, but honestly, he's been one of our more reliable bullpen arms as of late. Plus, it's it's amazing. He can actually go more than one inning out of the pen, which is something Derek Shelton doesn't seem to understand. Shelton seems to only find guys <laughs> that can go one inning or only give, give him the hook after one. And Jeremy, our producer, 
made a very good point. You know, Father's Day got to make them dad jokes. <laughs> Call Derek Shelton Captain Hook because you see that seems to be the number <laughs> one thing of him. I mean, he he just loves giving pitchers who do good the hook, and I, I mean, it's 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 fitting, honestly. But Chris Stratton, I have to give him a lot of credit. He has picked up the slack. I honestly was a Chris Stratton hater, but I think ever since that incident with his dog and ever since he found Ace, he's become a very reliable arm in the bullpen. Right. And I say I forget he was on forgot he was on the team. That's um pretty much a I would say that's a compliment because he doesn't uh he's not flashy. He comes in, gets gets a few clean innings and he does his job. So he's pretty nice. Uh talking about Will Crow a little bit. I I kind of like Will Crow. Uh, he seems like he has that cliche bulldog mentality, and he I I like his fastball. To be honest, uh, sits mid nineties. Sometimes it touches the upper nineties, and he just he just he just attacks hitters. Another cliche there for you, but I mean he does. He I'm looking at his numbers now. I mean the ERA is at 6.42 after that one terrible start but uh xfip 4.75 so i mean he's been he's been a bit unlucky his, his home run to fly ball rate is 21% which i'm that seems really high that seems absurdly high last year when he was with washington though that was 35% so that's absurdly high but uh i mean i i don't know what he is i think it's just funny because the Pirates, like, with him, with Chase DeYoung, um, I'm trying to think who else. I mean, they just have a bunch of, like, borderline quad A, like, fifth starter types, and we're going to see really who uh, who stands out. But, yeah, I mean, looking at Crow, he throws the fastball a little over 50% of the time. This year, I'm looking at fan graphs. It's been sitting at about 94 miles per hour, which is actually up from last year, so you like to see that. The slider, quarter of the time, and uh, the changeup, 15% of the time. Then he'll mix in a curveball here and there. I don't know. Like, his F4 is minus 0.2, but just just watching him pitch, I, I, I don't want to say I feel confident because I don't really feel confident watching anyone pitch on the Pirates, but I feel okay. I feel at ease whenever he's pitching, and uh, – I don't know. I don't know how much he factors into long-term plans and whatnot, but he's definitely a guy that I enjoy. I enjoy him getting the reps. That could change in a month when he has two just horde starts and he gets sent down. But right now, I mean, I'm I'm okay with with Will Crow. I'll say that. Yeah, me too. And also Chase DeYoung. You mentioned him. I, I'm fairly impressed with both of them so far. Right. Right. I mean, Will Crow started off cold, but he's come around in his most recent starts. Chase DeYoung has has he's, he's looked solid since uh, appearing in spring training. And what's again, you mentioned it. You don't know you don't know the timetable of how long they're going to last with the Pirates, or you know what's their leash on the team going to be like. Especially like you said, if they have two bad starts, I mean, I feel like they have a little bit more leeway right now, basing off where we're at as a team. Um, so I think it's more or less just see what they can do. Because I think if we do build a contending team here in the near future, I could honestly see DeYoung and possibly even Crow develop into some reliable long-relief bullpen arms. I mean, that's one thing the Pirates are struggling with is finding some long-relief. 
And I mean, thankfully they found some, found some in Chris Stratton, but I think that if we build a team here in the near future and we know what Will Crow and Chase DeYoung can bring to the table, not only are those a low risk, high reward sort of, you know, mainstays on in the bullpen, but you're also not sending them out there every five days, expecting them to, you know, be lights out through at least five, maybe six innings for your team. You can bring them in maybe one inning, maybe two, depending on how long you need, or maybe a mop-up role when we're bad. And I think both those guys have that potential, especially DeYoung. I, I, I can't say anything more than I am absolutely impressed with what he's got. He's just a victim of circumstance again, where he pitches great offense, just can't help him. But, yeah, I think they. I think if you were to take a guess about their timetable, I say they have a pretty good amount of time, especially Crow, because we traded Bell away from him, and I think we're going to try to make as much use out of him as we possibly can. Right. Yeah, I would say both of them. They both kind of give me like uh, Vance Worley type. Yes. Yes. Where they could uh, Vance Worley. I mean, he he strung off a few a few good. Uh, few good starts for the Pirates, and he was kind of that uh, long man. Maybe on the opposite end, they could be like Daniel McCutcheon types, which he was all right, too. Yeah, but he was, Yeah, he um, wasn't anything like too special or lights out, but... Right. He, yeah, these, that's, that's kind of who they are. Um, speaking of another pitcher who was recently sent down, our man Mitch Keller actually pitched today, and um, so... I find it kind of interesting that they're bringing bringing him out of the bullpen. Um, not sure if that's like a sign of things to come, or if they're just starting from scratch and saying, "You know what? One inning at a time. Let's clear your head. Let's let's get you on a roll here." But in his first outing, pitched one inning, struck out two, looked awesome. Today, though, not quite as awesome. Looking here at the box score, Indianapolis lost to uh, Memphis. Or no, no, no they, they won. They won. They won. Yeah, Eight they seven. won. They won. They they must have came back then. They did. It was it was a weird play. I don't know if you saw it. It was circulating uh, Twitter. Um, our man Wilmer Defoe, uh, hey. was, he slid into third on a Christian Bethancourt single to left. He slid into third. Was called safe. I think they were. I don't know what was going on. I think Bethencourt was trying. Was caught in a rundown between first and second, or they didn't know what he was doing. So all their attention was focused on him. Nobody was covering home. So Defoe basically stole home to walk it off. It was. That's funny. Good for the Indians. Um, so basically, Mitch Keller though, one and two thirds innings. Only gave up one hit. He gave up a run, but it was unearned. So the ERA is still at zero. Three strikeouts, you'll take that, but three walks. And uh, pretty sure he threw over 40 pitches. So this was an example of bad Mitch Keller. So still some work to be done there. Uh, Might not be a a quick fix. He might be down there for a while, to be honest, if he can't uh, clean things up. But that's the Mitch Keller update. Um just looking here. I'm looking here. There's some. Uh, I feel like Indianapolis has some other uh, Will Crow, Chase the Young types that I'm that I'm not currently thinking of. I need to look up their. Uh, I'm not their roster here. I mean, wait one second here. Just looking. While you're looking at that, Chase yeah. Spitzbarth has been fucking lights out for the Indianapolis Indians as a closer. I mean. He he got the win. He's now three and one in the season. His ERA is just 
it's amazing. 1.04 so far. He has been lights out. And this is triple A. Like, yeah. you know, it's not like high where they're facing a bunch of questionable prospects. These are some pretty good guys that are going to po- probably find some time in the MLB if they propel well or they um, develop well enough. And I, Spitzbar taking care of them. If if all things, you know, if, think, if, if worse comes to worse this season and the Pirates absolutely just dismantle their bullpen due to injury, we could possibly see Spitzbarth, or at least, let me say this, I wouldn't be surprised if we got uh, Spitzbarth up in Pittsburgh this season. He's just been amazing. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I was thinking about Cody Ponce, our guy. How could I forget? He's kind of in that Will Crow, Chase DeYoung type mm-hmm. type uh, camp, I would say. But, yeah, um, so looking ahead for the Pirates here, we'll see. Uh, they have a two-game series with the White Sox, and ooh, yikes, we'll see how that goes. Um, tomorrow it's Lucas Giolito for the White Sox, who, if you remember – or no, not tomorrow, Tuesday, sorry. Tuesday, it's Lucas Giolito for the White Sox. He no-hit us last year, so that that was fun. And he will be facing off against Tyler Anderson, and apparently the White Sox just destroy lefties. So, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if the Pirates were, like, plus 350 money line tomorrow to win. Like, I, I'm thinking it, it might be that, that lopsided odds-wise. And then uh, Wednesday, the getaway game, the afternoon game, we have DeYoung, and he will be facing Dylan Cease, who Dylan Cease on the air is actually, he's been, he's been pretty nice. The ERA is at 399. He has 89 strikeouts in uh, how many innings here? 70 innings, so big strikeout guy. He also is prone to a walk now and then. In his last start, though, he got he got blown up. Uh, six earned runs, seven runs total against uh, the Astros. So not quite the same lineup he'll be getting against the Pirates. But this probably will be a pretty tough series, I would guess, for the old Buckos. Luckily, it's only two games, so it could be swift and easy and quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quick and painless. Um, yeah. I was looking over at some team stats for the White Sox and. While their strong, their numbers are strong against left-handed pitchers, they're actually quite near the seller of the AL in home runs. I mean, they they have a very nice uh, record right now, and very nice placement at sixty-nine home runs team-wise. They're nice. they're, they're tied with Kansas City Royals. So, I mean, you look at that, and I mean, you can compare apples to oranges and be like, you know, they dismantle left-handed pitching, but at the same time, there might be some hope for Tyler Anderson. I mean, if I mean, if you worked on some stuff since the last start, you know, trying to adjust without the sticky tack again, not saying he did use it, but hypothetically, you know, last start was probably his worst. And that was after the whole sticky tack sort of thing. So, I, I mean, there, I, th- I think there is hope for us tomorrow. Um, the big game I want to see is Wednesday's game where Chase DeYoung faces off against Dylan Cease because those are just two young pitchers and they're both decent. They're not. You know, they're not like one end of the spectrum like Lucas Giolito, and then they're also not like Will Crow. But at the same time, they're they're decent, and I think I think that's going to be a pitcher's duel. T- uh, Tuesday's game, uh, Giolito against Anderson. I I'm going to say that the White Sox are going to be heavily favored, and I I favor them too. Um, I don't think we're going to get no hit this year, but you know, knock on wood, pray to whatever you believe in. <laughs> I I ju- I think we're going to be fine. I think we'll get at least. Um, 
drop my phone. <laughs> Are we going to get a win? That's the question. Uh, that's tough. I'm going to say no, unfortunately, <laughs> just because I think that White Sox team is just look like, you know, when you side by side it with us, they're just way overpowering against right. us. I'm going to say no. It's going to, I think we're going to have some close games for both of them, but I don't think we're going to. Yeah, it's funny. You mentioned they, they really don't have a ton of home runs. Their team leader is Jose Abreu with 12. I believe Reynolds for the Pirates, he hit his 11th yesterday. He's, he's at, at 12, too. 12? Okay, so each each uh, team leader is the same. Have you uh, have you seen much about Yasmany Grandal this, this year, and basically have you seen his batting line? No, but in two seconds I could probably find it here for you. So, yeah, so he's hitting 162, and that's not good. But his walk rate is 26.2%, and he's getting on base at a 385 clip. And the slugging, I mean, it's at 378. Basically, yes, Manny Grandal is basically Michael Perez with a ton of walks, which, I mean... They they both have similar batting averages and slugging percentages, but yes, Manny Grandal gets on base like it's like it's nothing, and uh, Perez does not. Grandal is the White Sox' third most valuable position player here on uh, Fangraphs, so it's just funny. I mean, you see one sixty two, and you're like, Jesus, that's terrible. His bat up is one sixty three, so it's not like he's he's been kind of unlucky too, but. 26.2 walk rate, 26.2% strikeout rate as well. It's it's kind of baffling. His WRC plus is 124. So he's basically 24% better than the average hitter, according to that stat. And he's hitting 162. It's just, I just wanted to bring that up. That's pretty hilarious. The White Sox have a bunch, they have some weird players where, like, you know, Tim Anderson, he's kind of like the old school, like he's hitting 300, but the on-base is only 337. And then you have uh, Nick Madrigal. Oh, he's out, which sucks. We won't be able to see him. He's out for the year. But he was hitting 305 with uh, a lower slugging. So it's funny. The White Sox kind of are offensively one of those old school-like teams where they do have some, some nice contact guys. And... uh I mean, even Yoan Moncada, he's their best player so far this year. Getting on base at 403, he's only slugging 408. So, I mean, still good, still a really productive hitter. But, yeah, they, they do have uh, a lack of power, which sucks. But, I mean, for them, obviously, it's, it hasn't really mattered because they they are humming. They are a well-oiled machine. And I feel like they will just chew right through the Pirates and uh, – It'll be a tough series for them. And then after the White Sox, the Pirates go to St. Louis for four games. That'll be the weekend series. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah, and you mentioned Yosemite Grandal. I saw some talk about him on Twitter. Um, I, I didn't know the stat part of it, but a lot of people were saying that he's valuable despite his low batting average. And you're right, the White Sox are a very contact-oriented team, which nothing wrong with that old-school style, which I love seeing. I love anything old-school. Um, but I think it's all credit to their pitchers because I think they have they really don't have a gap in their rotation, let alone their bullpen at all. So I think that's where a lot of their success comes from. Plus, a lot of reliable uh, reliable contact hitters. Where we have contact hitters on the Pirates, but they're just not as consistent as we would like to see. Like we have three I'm, contact hitters on the Pirates. Well, four if you include Stallings. 
Yeah, I can't really get a good gauge on Stallings because like he sometimes he likes to balance out that contacting power, but oh well. But I feel like this <laughs> I'm gonna say this. I think this series is gonna be a make or break moment for Adam Frazier. Because with Mad- Madrigal being out for the White Sox and them being potentially on the benefit or on the good end of a season, you know, almost making that po- that postseason push, they're gonna need to buy at the deadline. And I think if Adam Frazier goes off in this mini series, um I really think the White Sox are going to have a real hot eye for him. And yeah, I think that, and I think I think Charrington would get a call after that series is over, you know, with discussions from the White Sox on how to get Frazier over to the Windy City, which I wouldn't be technically opposed to. It just I, I just think that this is where the whole Adam Frazier to the White Sox trade talks are going to really gain traction is uh, by by this two game series. Now, if he goes over in both games, which very low chance that that happens. I think that's going to put. I think it's going to shut the door on those on those ideas. But I th- this is going to be a big series for Adam Frazier. Um, I hope he does well, and I hope the White Sox take notice. But mark my words, if he does well, we're going to start hearing more Adam Frazier to the White Sox. Yeah, I, I definitely agree that we'll we'll definitely hear uh, talks like that if he does well and. Um, I, yeah, I just think we're going to hear those talks in general as the deadline creeps up. Frazier would look nice in a White Sox jersey, I'll say that much. Uh, Jeremy told us, too, he noticed that the White Sox got swept this weekend at the Astros. So it was a four-game series, too. So they've lost four straight. So they're, they're going to be a little angry. They have their off day tomorrow as well before they come into Pittsburgh. So... We get Giolito. For me, as a fantasy owner, I, I'm i not mad about that at all. He'll get to face the Pirates and their uh, suspect offense. So we'll be back, though, Wednesday after yeah. that game. And uh, we'll, be, we'll be talking some buckos, as always. Jake, tell us where to follow you on Twitter. Well, you can find me at underscore Radio Jake for all your cynical pirate tweet needs. Love that. Follow me as well on Twitter at Nathan underscore Hirsch for my just awesome takes. Always, I'm gonna I'm gonna attack Seth Myers on Twitter. I don't care. <laughs> we don't we don't need him bashing. Our fine little blog. No, not even little. Our fine, awesome blog here. Okay. We're hiring a Pirates writer. Okay, Seth's a friend. He follows us. Yeah, Seth's cool. Seth's cool. Sorry, Seth. But mm, that snarky comment <laughs> got me a little bit. He's, he's cool, though. Jeremy's in here. He's like, hey, shh, 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 shh. But uh, Jeremy, follow him on Twitter as well, at Jeremy Brenner. Follow Buck's Dugout on Twitter. At Bucks Dugouts. I guess if you want to, you can follow Seth Myers on Twitter too, but you can just find <laughs> I love this little rivalry you guys got going on. It's not, he doesn't know who I am. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's funny though. All right, that was episode 25. Talk to Plank, our fine podcast on SB Nation's Bucks Dugout. Like I said, we'll be back Wednesday. Everyone have a great rest of their day. Happy Father's Day. To all the fathers once again, and uh, peace out.